Hello and welcome to Grace Life Ministries, a disciple-making family of churches focused on the reality of Christianity. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your revelation of Jesus and increase in fruitfulness in your life. I want to speak a bit about just uh, the power of the message that we have. We've been going through a number of foundational things in uh, uh, the last couple of weeks. If you missed the last, I think it's three weeks, I encourage you to get it. We spoke on the power of the Word. Last week we spoke about eternal redemption. And in talking about eternal redemption, what did we focus on? We focused on how secure we are in Christ. Now in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, we're going to start to see how the gospel is a transforming message. It transforms us. Okay? So, uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, you know, what I like about this verse is it's showing us what the power of God is. And a lot of people are looking for power of God. Okay? You know, a lot of people are, are, are excited about the power of God, but we've got a misconception of what it is. It's not um, um, zap <laughs> or whatever it is. Like that, that, that's maybe part of it, but primarily this verse is showing us it's the gospel of Christ. The message is the power. Why? Because the message is about a person. It's about Jesus. The message is a, a message which uh, kind of takes a burden off of us and then it changes us, it transforms us if we believe it, if we receive it. You know, so a lot of, I mean, it's unfortunate that there's a lot of Christians who've been Christians for a long time and they're still wanting to change. They're still needing to change. That's, it's good that they maybe want to, but if they just need to and they don't want to, then there's obviously a problem. But the, 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 the thing I'm trying to point, I'm trying to make there is that we, we, we sometimes need to change years after we've received Christ. Why? Because we haven't allowed salvation to take its natural course in us. Okay? You know, we, we, we're called to be fruitful. Okay? And before I get there, this verse is showing us that the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes is the gospel. Okay, so let's go to, let me just open my Bible here quickly again. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And uh, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. You know, God's desire for you and me is that we bear fruit. Is that we would be fruitful. Okay, He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to bear fruit. Why? Well, Jesus said that it will bring the Father glory, but it's also because that's what's going to satisfy us the most. I don't know about you, but in any area of my life, fruitlessness doesn't bless me. How many of you love it when things are just fruitless? Fruitless uh, uh, efforts at work, fruitless efforts in relationship. We love fruitless efforts in, in trying to be healthy, fruitless efforts in, in whatever. It's like that, that's, not, that's not a blessing to us. It's not encouraging. And it's not what God's got for us. God's desire for us is fruitfulness. Okay? Nothing but fruit. 
So if we look at John chapter 15 in verse 4, he says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I'm going to read the next verse in a moment. But what I want you to see is firstly, Jesus is the vine. We are branches. So it's like if you take a branch of a, a vine off now, it, it, it dies. Okay? If you, but, but the life, or the, the fruitfulness is where? Is the fruitfulness on the, 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 the trunk, the vine? No, it's on the branch. So we, as branches of Christ, should have fruit. But where does the fruit come from? The fruit comes from within the vine. The life of the vine flows into the branch and then fruit comes into the branch because it's connected to something. Okay? He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with Him. So when you become a Christian, you become one with Jesus, which means now there should be a fruitfulness. I mean, think about it in terms of a business partnership. You know, you, some of you have business ideas and you've got businesses that you've started or whatever. Now, think about that business partner, that if you had that business partner, the whole thing would just work. Everything would just fly because you would have enough money, enough resources, enough whatever, just to be able to do what needs to get done so it can be successful. That's what Christ is like in us. Not in terms of business, but in terms of life. Now you're connected to Him, you can't not be fruitful. Except if you prevent that, if you hold back. Okay? Um, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in Me. Uh, verse 5, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in Me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. So remaining in Him, Staying in relationship with Him, allowing His life to flow through us, will do what? It will cause much fruit. Much fruit. Not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit. Now we need to ask ourselves, what fruit is that? Okay? What fruit is that that it's now producing in us? We'll go to 1 Peter 1, 23. 1 Peter 1, 23. The, the, what does the saying say? It says, the, everything produces after its own kind. Okay? Animal produces? Animal. Dog produces? Chicken produces? Eggs. Okay, it's always a trick question. But that's, that everything produces after its own kind. Human produces? Human. Okay, we all produce, we, everything produces after its own kind. Plant produces plant life. Okay, now being born again is much more than just a, a, I've mentally come to an understanding of something, I'm committing my life to Christ, and now I'm following a new set of lifestyle. That's not Christianity. Christianity is much more than that. You know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you have to be born again. Born again. Okay? So being born, let's think about being born. When you were born, you were born uh, uh, in accordance with human life. Because that's where you came from. I know that. 
<laughs> I can guarantee that every single one of us sitting here, listening online or listening to the recording, was born after human life. Now, if you're a Christian and you're born again, you're born after God. We'll look at a few verses with that. But verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So you are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. I like how the Living Bible puts it. It says, for you have a new life. It was not passed on to you from your parents. For the life they gave you will fade away. This new one will last forever, for it comes from Christ, God's ever-living message to men. See, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel. And this is showing us that God's ever-living message to men is Jesus. So the message isn't just something, words on paper. The message isn't just words that someone speaks. The message is a person. Okay, we've got that song which we didn't sing tonight, but we often sing it now. And that is, Jesus is the message of the Bible. You know, if you look from Genesis all the way through to uh, Malachi, throughout the Old Testament, Jesus is the message. They, the, the Old Testament's purpose is to point towards salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. Then you've got the Gospels which reveal Christ and show, or actually show Christ uh, the fulfillment of Genesis to Malachi. And then you've got the New Testament letters, which are the explanation of Christ, the explanation of salvation. Jesus is the message of the Bible. Okay, he's the message of the Bible. When we're preaching the gospel, when we're sharing the gospel with people, we're not just sharing some kind of uh, a message which they need to mentally think about and come to know. We're sharing a message which is introducing them to a person. The acceptance or the rejection of the message of the gospel is the acceptance or the rejection of a person, Jesus Christ. When we accept the message, we accept the person. You cannot accept, reject the message and accept the person. Because a lot of people are like, I don't want that Christianity, but I like, um, I like Jesus. But you don't know who he was then. <laughs> you haven't got a clue what he said. You know, and then if you start to tell them, they might not like him so much anymore. Or they might realize who he is and, li and like him even more. Point here is that we've got an incorruptible seed in us which caused us to be born again. We've got an incorruptible seed that caused us to be born again. And this incorruptible seed will produce something. I plant an apple seed and what comes? An apple tree. Fruit of apple on the apple tree. So it's like you plant a seed, you get what that seed produces. So what is, what is the seed? It's a, it's a um, um, uh, grammatically incorrect. Who is the seed? The seed is Jesus. It's not just a message. It's Jesus. Now you receive that seed. That seed comes into you and produces eternal life. Not a, a life that fades but it produces a life that is everlasting. So many verses, if you know, if, you, if you've grown up Christian or you've been a Christian for a while, should be ringing in your ears now. 
You know, for example, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So whoever believes in not just a message, but in Jesus, the person, what he's done for you, will not perish but have everlasting life. How? You know, so let me put it like this. When we believe the person, when we believe the message, what Jesus has done for us, we receive the person into us, the seed into us. Now, what should the fruit of that seed be in your life? Think about it. Now you've got the seed of Jesus in you. And that has to germinate. That has to produce something. For a lot of Christians, it does diddly squat. Nothing. But it should do something, right? What should fruitfulness look like? Jesus. That's the goal of your life. Is to look more like Jesus. In the spirit, you're like Jesus. Amen. Start to live like it then. <laughs> the world doesn't, matter, doesn't care what you look like in your spirit. The world doesn't care that you've got eternal life in you. The world cares what you look like now and how you live now and what you're doing with your life now. What decisions are you making now? Because that's what they can see. They can't see your spiritual. They can't see how righteous you are. My righteousness has nothing to do with, with you in terms of the spiritual aspect of it. It's got to do with me and my confidence in my relationship with God. But how I live out my righteousness has got everything to do with you, God. And with the people that I live with. Why? God, God, God wants us to be fruitful in our righteousness. In terms of people seeing our righteousness. But, he's, but, he, but even if you're not fruitful in your righteous living. He still accepts you and loves you because he's dealing with you based on spirit to spirit. But the people in your life won't necessarily accept you based on who you are in the spirit you go steal a car and you tell the judge in the jesus has paid for it <laughs> you go and tell that judge that that the, all your sin has been paid for and that you're righteous and i'll say oh, wow well that's that's nice you know <laughs> let's see how this works out for you <laughs> you know however many years in jail it doesn't matter who you are in the spirit in terms of this life unless it's giving you confidence to live right the fruitfulness of christianity should be that we start to look and live like jesus okay so what is the fruit that we're looking for now turn with me to galatians it's a logical conclusion galatians chapter 5 but before we get there and we talk a little bit about the fruit of the spirit you know it's it's important to to kind of say that you plant a, a seed and it takes time to grow there's seed time and harvest okay you plant a seed i'm not talking about money you plant a seed it takes time to grow and for fruitfulness to come amen it takes time so now we we've you you've received christ christ has come to live in you you've got the seed of eternal life living in you now something needs to take place because the change doesn't happen instantly in every area of your life, right? I don't know if you experienced that. 
You know, but, but there, there's something significant instantly happens and you become 100% righteous in that moment. You become just like Jesus in that moment. Inside, you're completely new. You're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But you don't necessarily start to think like a new creation. How many of you didn't think like Jesus this week in some way? <laughs> some liars in the room. How many of us, you know, passed by someone who was sick? Lenny <laughs> lies. So lying is a sin. <laughs> but it's amazing grace has made us like we're not paying for that sin. Amen? No, the, 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 the point is, is like we're not living like we should. Why is that? Because we've got to renew our minds. We're going to start to change our thinking. Start to think like Jesus. Okay? But... So, so, so if we look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and it speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that's describing Jesus. So that should be describing you. It's not describing what you need to live up to. It's describing who you are. You are love. You are joy. You are peace. You are patience. You are kindness. You are goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's who you are. You've got the seed for that in you. You go to a farm. It's uh, approaching uh, harvest time for the wheat farmers. Okay, approaching harvest time. So I can go onto uh, Marna's stepdad's uh, farm, wheat farm. And I can see all the wheat, and it's slowly starting to turn from green to, 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 to gold and, and white and all of that. But very slowly. It's not there just yet. But now I walk onto his farm, and what do I see? I see you're a wheat farmer. I can see it. I can acknowledge you're a wheat farmer. So now in November, the harvest has come, and they're going to get rid of all the wheat. And then uh, before they start, or even after they've planted all the seed, I can walk onto his farm, and what do I have to do? Uh, what do you farm with? Why? Because I can't, there's no evidence for what he, he farms with, except if there's a sign. <laughs> for some of us, the only evidence that we're Christians is the cross around our necks. The label. But if people look at our lives, they would never be able to tell. That's shocking. I've used this example many times and I'll use it again because I like it. And that is that, you know, we, it should be that at work, people know what we believe without us having to bash them, without us having to like always tell them uh, what we believe. They should just know because of the fruit in our lives. Yes, we take opportunities to preach and we preach to people. We share the love of God with them and all of that type of stuff. But people should experience the love as well. People need to experience His love. We're not just sharing a message, we're sharing a person. So when we share the message, people should experience the message. People should experience Jesus. What would they experience if they experienced Jesus? That's what they should experience when they experience you. Okay? One of my favorite verses is Luke 15 verse 1. Then drew near the sinners and the tax collectors towards Jesus because they wanted to hear what he had to say. Think about that. The riffraff, the outcasts, the people who were the most hated of society, the tax collectors. Those were the guys that wanted to hang out with Jesus, who we would sometimes assume is religious. Okay? The world would maybe um, label him as religious. 
So now they label Jesus as religious and they look at all these very unreligious or irreligious people and they want to hang out with Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Why? They obviously didn't feel judged around Jesus. They obviously didn't feel ashamed around Jesus. They obviously wanted to be around Jesus. They liked to be there. Have you ever seen a sinner... Well, like, like in many times, maybe a sinner is seeking and they'll come and they'll want to be in church and all of that kind of stuff. But most often they're not running to religious places or Christian or church or whatever. They're most of the time, they're kind of like hanging back. They're not seeking. So it's amazing that they would draw near to Jesus and that they would want to hang out and hear what he had to say. That, if, if that's how Jesus was, then we should have that, something like that in us. And there's a place for, you know, uh, uh, maybe drawing distance sometimes from, from worldly friends or from places in the world because it's influencing us maybe more than we're able to influence. That's a safety mechanism. We mustn't put ourselves in places where we are being influenced negatively. We need to be in places of, of darkness even sometimes to influence positively. Okay? But here's the thing. <clears throat> I wouldn't put my um, eight-year-old son in... Uh, on the streets by himself to go and minister to people on the streets of Cape Town. I'll pick you up in an hour. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to drop him off somewhere and say, hey, go work for today and then bring some money home. I know in some places in the world they would do that, but I'm not going to do that. Why? Because he's not ready for that. He's not ready to, to kind of go and, and be a light in very dark places like that. Why? Well, firstly, in the natural realm, he's got to grow up a bit. He's, you know, if he go, a child goes somewhere, they are going to be influenced more than they influence. That's why we've got to pick schools carefully and things like that for children. And we've got to make sure they're protected because they are easily influenced. Baby Christians need to be careful about where they go and how, who they hang out with and things like this. Why? Because babies are easily influenced. Imagine a baby Christian. A baby Christian would be immature. They've got the seed of Jesus in them. They are 100% righteous. My son is 100% human. Doesn't act like it all the time. But most of the time, you know, but, but, but all the time, he is 100% human. Okay? And he, uh, 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 so, so, with a, an unbeliever, with a baby Christian, with a baby Christian, we, we, we need to help them grow up through understanding of what they've got in order to express the fruitfulness. A baby Christian needs to be, start to learn, like grow their muscles. They've got muscles, but they need to grow their muscles. They need to grow up. They need to be able to defend themselves. You go to a, a baby Christian and you're like, do you really believe the Bible? Why do you believe the Bible? That doesn't make sense. It's just a book. And then the baby Christian's like, huh, good point. Because they don't understand anything. You know, why do you believe what you believe? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know. You know, I sat with an unbeliever and they were like a, 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 a few months back and they, they asked the question of like, I guess I've got a couple of questions. Question number one, the Bible. It's, it's put together by man. I was like, I'm so good, glad that you brought that up. Let me explain it to you. So I explained it to them. And they were like, that makes sense. You know, and we carried on the conversation from there. I could give answers because I'm not a baby Christian. 
You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> so, so the point is, is that we grow through our knowledge and our understanding and then living it out, and then we can offer something to, to the world. The same way that as we grow up in the natural, we offer something to society. We add value to society. Same thing now with, um, with uh, Christianity. You can't live beyond your level of revelation. You cannot live beyond your level of revelation. Your faith will never rise above your ignorance. I'll have to say that again slower maybe. Your faith will never rise above your ignorance. Which means your life is the way that it is for a reason. Your Christian life is the way that it is for a reason. And it's not that God is like, I'm just going to cause Anna just to go a little bit longer through this season of um, uh, ignorance and difficulty. She keeps hitting her head against that wall and she's not learning her lesson. I think she, could, she can hit that wall a little bit longer. Now God doesn't do that. Why is Anna hitting her head against the wall? Because she doesn't know that there's a different way. That there's a door there and she can just walk through it. She's trying to knock a hole in the wall. Do you get what I mean? It's like often we are our own problem. We are doing things that are, are, are easily just, there's an answer to them. I mean, in the area of healing, how many people are like, they get sick, baby Christians? I don't know why God is doing this to me. I've sat with many Christians like that, and I go, you know what, let me help you. Let me show you in the Bible. <laughs> John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This sickness that's destroying your body right now is from a thief, not from Jesus. Jesus comes to give you life and life abundantly. And they're like, oh, I've never heard that before. And then I can go on and say, look at throughout the Gospels, if you actually read them, because most baby Christians, Christians haven't read a lot of Bible or studied it, then you go, if you look at Jesus' life, He never put sickness on anyone. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I never thought of that. You can't find an account where He goes up to a blind man and says, not today. You can't see an account where he goes up to a healed man and says, Cancer. Why? Because he doesn't do that. Ah, oh, okay. You see, you can't help anyone if you don't know anything. And you can't believe for healing if you don't know about healing. So our ignorance is what's killing us. What does the Bible say? Many things, right? <laughs> but it says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Not the devil. The devil's not your problem. You are. What you don't know is your problem. And the problem is you don't know what you don't know. That's amazing, isn't it? That's why the, Jesus never told us to become a Christian and go to church. I'll say that again, slower. Jesus never told us to become a Christian and go to church. The Great Commission says that go into all the world and make disciples. Okay? Disciple is someone who's established in the truth so that they can be fruitful. A disciple is someone who is mature. So now let's just think about that for a moment. What is a Christian's problem? A baby Christian's problem is lack of discipleship. That's what ignorance means. Lack of discipleship. They don't know something. Now, a disciple will go to church. Definitely. They'll be part of a community. 
Because they know that it's good for them. And then they'll know that there's a place to grow. A discipleship will be growing in knowledge and understanding. A disciple will be able to, to, to offer something, Jesus, to the world. Because they've got the fruitfulness of Christ in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They start to look like Jesus, so they start to attract people because, well, sometimes attract some rocks. <laughs> because uh, Jesus was persecuted, right? And he said we'd be persecuted because we, we want to live godly. But the point is, is that when we start to live for him, because we're growing in him, fruitfulness is starting to abound. Okay? So back to Galatians. I want to read this to you from the Passion. Galatians 22. Now, before we get into that, uh, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Anyone who believes... That Jesus is the Messiah, is born of God. Okay, so now we talk about being born again. You're born of God. Everything produces after its own kind. So now if you're born of God, you're not God, but you're like God. You've got His DNA inside of you. At work, maybe you need some creativity, and you're just like, I'm not creative. The most creative thing I can do is think of what Google entry to put in. <laughs> to, to kind of think up something. No, no, no. You've got His DNA in you and He created the world. So you need to start to realize that you've got creative, a creative DNA inside of you. That you don't ever have to have writer's block. You can just pray in the Spirit and then just ideas come. You never have to be stumped about what should I do. Why? Because God is never confused about what to do. You just pray and, you know, so I, I, I follow this principle that if I don't know what to do in an area of my life, I just realize or figure, figure that it's not time to do something yet. <laughs> I'll know when it's time to know. And until then, I'm just going to be patient. But I don't need to know what, you know, it's like a, a, someone who's studying and they finish their studies at the end of the year. Before they start their last year, they, they, they're worried about what they're going to do when they've graduated. And it's like, you've still got a whole year. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you. <laughs> just be patient. Enjoy what you're doing now. I, I remember in, in, in my final year of, of studying uh, public management here in Cape Tech, we had um, everybody in the final week going, what are you going to do when you've graduated? I'd be like, I haven't graduated yet. That's what I'm aiming at next. <laughs> so I'm not there yet. So just relax. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'm just going to take that when it comes. And when I graduated, I had a phone call and someone offered me a job and so I took the job. I was like, praise God. That's awesome. Now I know what I'm doing next. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is make decisions when you have to. That was for free. Galatians chapter 5, verse uh, 22. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love or God-like love. So this, the passion is giving us the idea that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Full stop. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Full stop. That's the idea that it's giving us. So, Romans chapter 8 verse 6 it is, I think, uh, says, or 9, that you, because you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of Christ in you. 
So now if you've got the Spirit of Christ in you, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is God's kind of love, divine love. Okay? Now, whoever is born of God is born of love. Because God is love. So what I'm trying to show you here this evening is that you don't have to try and love because you are love. But you've got a lot of people trying, Christians, trying to love people, trying to, to, to be nice people. If, you want to, if you're trying to be a nice person, you're probably trying too hard. You need to realize what the gospel has transformed you into and made you into so that you can start to be Jesus. Because that's who you are. Okay? Passion. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. And then it goes on to say that love, divine love, is expressed in joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. So this is showing us that love is like the fruit. I mean, in the King James it says the fruit, plural, of the spirit is love. Joy, peace, whatever. It's not the fruits. Sorry, it's singular. It's not plural. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? So the fruits of the Spirit is Jesus. We often look at it and we go, I've got love, but I need to work on my patience. No, 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 no. You don't got patience, you don't got love. Why? Because patience is loving people. <laughs> Someone didn't like that. You know, we look at it and we go, I'm not very, I don't have much peace. I've got lots of, of patience with people, but I'm not, I don't really have much peace in my heart. Well, if you don't have peace in your heart, it's because you're not experiencing love. You're not focused in on the love. Why? Because perfect love drives out all fear. And if you don't have fear, you're going to have peace. So love is the primary. Jesus said, all men shall know that you are my disciples by Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons. No. By your amazing spiritual good looks. <laughs> meaning righteousness. No. He said, all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Love expressed is joy that overflows. Is peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. And that is describing Jesus, it's describing you. Okay, now the good news is, like I said, I'm not going to take William, my eight-year-old, and go and put him on the street and, and say, go and make some money or whatever I'm going to say to him. Because he's not mature enough for that yet. What do I want from him? Go and play. <laughs> Go learn. Go, go, go enjoy yourself, you know, because that's the time of the life for that, you know. I, I can't do all the things like climb trees and all the time and do what I want to do, but, but I can do it sometimes with it, but not all the time, right? But now, I'm expected to take responsibility for myself, for my family, and add value to society. He isn't. He's learning to take responsibility. Jesus doesn't expect you to live beyond where you are. I'm trying to show you the pressure's off. Because a lot of the time we look at the fruit of the Spirit and we think, wow, 
I'm not really that patient. I'm not really that kind. I'm not really a good Christian. I'm not, I've got a long way to go. And that would be some people's conclusion from this message. Let me go home and, and just hope for a better day. No, 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 no. I want to show you that Jesus doesn't expect you to be beyond where you are. But he expects you not to stay where you are. Why? Because it's good for you to grow. It's good for you to keep moving. Okay? So, how do we keep moving? Let's go to the verse that uh, Etienne brought up. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> verse 2. Let's, let's get there. For, verse 1 you can't leave out actually. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is um, your... Where am I now? Except unto God, which is your reasonable service or reasonable act of worship. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, number one from this, submit to God. Live a yes, Lord, life. That's what Christianity is anyway. Sad that it's not common Christianity to live a yes, Lord, life. But we should be living a life of yes, Lord. Your word says it, I want to live it. You put it in my heart, I want to do it. Okay, that's where we should live. I love, um, again, referring to Brother Andrew and uh, uh, going into closed countries like China and Russia and wherever else and doing mission work and spreading the gospel and handing out Bibles to people who, it's, you'll get killed if you have a Bible. That, that's, that's kind of how it was. Okay, and... Um, they wrote a book called God Smuggler on his life. And then they wrote the, the following up one called the, the Calling. And you know what he said? I don't know where he said this, but after those books, maybe in an interview, he said that it's really such a shame that he is somebody in Christian circles. It's really such a shame that the Christianity, the church, is celebrating what he's done. Because we should all be doing that. We should all be living radically for Jesus. And yet most of us look at someone like Brother uh, Andrew, or we look at someone like Brother Yun, if you know Brother Yun from, from China, and the, um, the Heavenly Man story. You look at um, Reynard Bonker, you look at whoever you want to look at, and we go, wow, they're just like Jesus, <laughs> and I'm not. You, know, you might not have a ministry that, that is on such a, a, a large scale as them. But God's got a ministry for all of us, even if it's just in the marketplace where you work. You know, it's not about size, it's about significance. Significance isn't in size, significance is in quality. Yeah. It's in eternity, eternal uh, uh, um, value. Okay? So we, we should all be living a life of surrender. The Passion puts that word in there and it says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred, living sacrifices. So we have to ask ourselves the question, you know, if I'm wanting the fruit of Christ in my life, if I'm wanting the fruit of Christ in my life, do I, do I want that? And then if I do, do, am I willing to surrender? Just say, yes, Lord, that's surrender. Yes, Lord. You know, you, you, you surrender the moment you say yes to the gospel. And you welcome him into your life. 
And then the transformation starts and that seed in you wants to start growing up into fruits of righteous living, fruits of holiness, fruits of love, joy, peace, etc. That fruit grows and it wants to start coming out of you. Most Christians just go, zip, push down, stay there somewhere, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> you know, we're not supposed to live for that. We're supposed to bring heaven to earth as Christians. We're supposed to, 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 to be living out God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? Now, there's no condemnation if you don't, but you're never going to live a satisfied life if you don't. Okay? So, we should, number one, surrender. Then verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The um, passion says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. And be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So now, if we're wanting transformation in our lives, so that we start to become more loving, more peace, peaceable, more patient, etc. What do we need to do? Change our thinking. Change our focus. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The reason why we have the areas of our life which aren't so great is because we have areas of our thinking which aren't so great. And if we can change the areas of our thinking which aren't so great, we'll have those areas, the fruit of that will start to change. So we've got to start to put on the new man. The Bible says that in a couple of places. Put on the new man. You are a new man, a new woman in Christ. But it's not automatic that you start to live like that. The moment you have a child, they're a new man or a new child, they're a new human. Now they've got to put on as in mature or grow up. Now they need to learn how to brush their own teeth, how to wipe their own bottom, <laughs> how to, to, to feed themselves and all of that. And when they're feeding themselves, it's messy in the beginning. And it's lots of fun, especially if you have to clean it up. But the point is, is that it takes time. It doesn't have to take very long to mature in Christ, but that's up to you how long it takes. It's up to you how long your maturity takes. Because it's based on how much you renew your mind and start to think like God thinks. And the more you start to think like God thinks, the more you start to have the fruitfulness of God in your life. It's, you can't make a decision to do the right thing if you don't have an understanding of what the right thing is. It's very simple. You, 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 you can't go where you don't know <laughs> to start rhyming. You came here because you knew where we were or someone that brought you knew where we were. Yeah, you didn't come here because you didn't know about us. You didn't, you didn't come here by accident. And if you did, you at least knew that you were walking wherever you walked before you walked in the hall, right? It, it, it just shows you, like, in our minds, we need to go in the right place before we can go there with the fruitfulness in, of our lives. And then that fruitfulness is Christ. The transformation in our lives starts to look like Jesus. We start to bear much fruit. Go back to, if you're following with me, last verse, John chapter 15, where we were. And I want to bring out one more truth. I really feel impressed to, to do this because so often we feel condemned because we don't have fruit. We feel condemned because we don't have fruit. But God doesn't want you to feel condemned because you don't have fruit. 
He wants you to have fruit. It's, your be- it's in your best interests to have fruit. He wants you to grow so that you can be satisfied and enjoy the abundant life. What is the abundant life? It's receiving His Spirit into us and then His Spirit now flowing out of us. That, that's the abundant life. John 10.10 10, uh, uh, in the Passion puts it like this, that I, will, uh, I want you to have life, into the, uh, uh, life abundantly to the full until you overflow. So Christianity is about you overflowing in love, joy, peace, patience, etc. and power. Okay? But John chapter 15 verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So in this verse, we get the idea that if I'm not bearing fruit, I'm going to get cut out. I'm going to get taken away. And that's incorrect. So often we kind of feel like if I'm, I've met many people in fear that they have no fruit, so God's going to cut them out. I met an evangelist, someone who, who, who is constantly doing crusades and all this kind of stuff. And the reason why he's doing what he's doing, unfortunately, the reason is bad. Because he was on his deathbed and he felt Jesus telling him that if I don't see fruit in your life, I'm going to cut you out. Jesus doesn't say that ever. I told him. He didn't like that. But I was like, but this is good news. <laughs> Jesus isn't going to cut you out because you don't bear fruit. It's a misunderstanding of the Bible. And in this very tender situation, the devil's using your ignorance against you. Okay? You know, if you look at the word taketh away there, it can be better translated as lifts up. And the Passion is the only other translation which actually uses lifts up instead of takes away. So I want to read it to you. It says, He cares, and and I'll say this, I had this understanding of this verse before the Passion came out, and I was taught this understanding of the verse before the Passion came out. And so the Passion didn't invent this verse. There was, at Bible College, I was taught this understanding of this verse before the Passion came out. So it just shows you that it's not thumbsucked from the Passion or their, their translators. Okay? He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting up and propping up the fruitless branches. And pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. But listen, he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. In 2011, uh, we started the ministry in 2010. We were in Stellenbosch. And in 2011, when I taught this for the first time, I remember asking uh, a vine dresser, a winemaker in church, verify this for me. What do you do if there's a branch that's uh, fruitless? Do you cut it off? What do you do with it? No. We, tie, we lift it up and we tie it closer to the vine. In the natural, <laughs> they don't cut those branches off. Obviously, there's a pruning that takes place after harvest and everything for, for the next season and all that. But when a, a branch is fruitless, what do they do? They lift it up. They don't cut it off. What does Jesus do with you when you're fruitless? Because maybe some of you realize that you're fruitless. <laughs> no one's getting uh, excited about the gospel because of you. No one's uh, 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 seeing and experiencing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control because of you. No one's seeing Jesus because of you. 
Okay? I made it sound a bit heavier on purpose. <laughs> so maybe you've realized that that's you. What is Jesus going to do with you? Ah! No, he's not going to cut you off. What does he do? He loves you. He cares for you. He's going to lift you up closer to himself. He's going to lift you up where you belong. <laughs> Amen? Closer to his heart where you will experience his love and be transformed. Because that's how fruitfulness comes. When, 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 I, I, I've tested this with, with, with my own kids. When they are um, struggling or they're kind of misbehaving or whatever, over the years what I've done is say, come here. And I'll put them on my lap and I'll hold them. And then eventually I'll be like, what's wrong? You know, and I'll fish, I'll ask for a few questions or whatever. And then I realize there was something that caused them to, to act the way that they were. And I'll deal with that and I'll say, but that's not a reason to do what you've just done. This is the correct behavior. This is what you should have done, but this is wrong. Yes, don't do that like that all the time. But I've seen that work where you realize like it's a, it's a lift me up. Don't push me down. We would, I bet every single one of us would have loved situations in our upbringing when we were rather lift up than cut out for fruitlessness because you would have been more fruitful because of it. Amen? This, this shows us the goodness of God that He's not judging you for your fruitlessness. He's wanting to draw you in because of your fruitlessness because your fruitlessness is an indication of your lack of intimacy. That's all. Your lack of intimacy. You cannot be fruitful without intimacy. So on that note, Father, I thank you that you are calling us to a life of intimacy with you so that we can experience fruitfulness and bring, just bring you glory because people experience you in us. I thank you that you're not cutting us off or cutting us out just because we're not living the way that we could live or should live. But thank you, Father, that right now, every single person in this room would just experience your drawing, your call just to step deeper into intimacy with you. I really just sense on my heart that Holy Spirit is just inviting you and just calling you. Every single one of us, we're not at the level of fruitfulness which we should be. And I just feel like He's just, just wooing you, just saying, come. Just come closer. Come closer to my heart. Step in deeper. Come experience my love because that's what's going to cause you to be established. That's what's going to cause you to be fruitful in your life. Father, I just pray right now for each person as they just sense your, your wooing, your drawing, that they would respond and just say, yes, Lord. I want what you say. Yes, Lord. I surrender. Yes, Lord. If you'd like to get hold of us or to obtain more free teachings, you can visit us online at www.gracelife.co.